or less uh, as, as, as normal. Um, we had some masking we had to take care of. Uh, we had a short stint with electronic whistles um, uh, that we actually didn't even start the season with. We had them in the training camps. Uh, maybe some issues with the artificial fan noise being piped into the stadiums. But other than that, it was uh, football officiating um, that we normally would see. So with that, we had the ability to reflect on the season and to evaluate and collect the data. And I believe we delivered some, some fairly fine officiating for the 2020 season. Yes, we had our low points. Uh, but when we reflected in January, um, figured out what we need to do better, um, uh, retinkered with our training and development program to account for that. And, and here we are uh, going forward. Uh, very proud to have been a part of the SEC team that solved how we were going to have football for the 2020 season. Um, helped uh, write a playbook uh, that didn't exist. Um, but I don't necessarily look uh, to do that again um, in my career, if, if at all possible. So I have a presentation uh, for you today that are the 2020 new, uh, 2021 new playing rules and uh, some updates in our, in our replay program. Before I get into new rules, just talked about how new rules come about. Um, first of all, um, there's an evaluation of the, the season that just transpired, just like I, I, we do with our football officiating. And typically, new rules are going to come out of three areas. They're going to come out of some unusual plays that occur where in post-game we realize that the rule, playing rules may have never even thought of that particular circumstance. There's always the concern for student-athlete safety, so uh, always evaluating the game to see where we can get it to a better place for uh, player playing safety environment. The changes to free kick, kick, kick rules are, are a great example of that. And then lastly, they're going to look at uh, trends in any kind of statistical analysis. So I'm going to bring you some data here um, uh, that, that helps understand what the rules committee and the football oversight panel was, was uh, uh, referring to and consulting when they went through the, the rules uh, changes this year. So let's look at some high-level statistics and how they compare historically from the, the 2020 season. This is a graph of overall game time at a national average, all Division I conferences from uh, 2016 through, through 2020. Um, the SEC came right in at the national average at a game time of, of 321. Uh, the jump from 19 to 20 is about a 2.6% increase, getting into the area of being statistically significant. The... The Rules Committee and, and FOP doesn't necessarily look at this, this, this graph and trend as much as it looks at what are the percentage of the game that take longer than three and a half hours. The answer to that question across all of Division I last year was 30% of all games took more than three, 330 to complete. Uh, the, the, the number in the SEC was 26%. So this is game time, something that we always want to manage. What are some of the factors that we, we – uh, uh, compared against. So let's look at some of those typical factors. This is a graph that shows you the scoring trend. Again, average nationally across all Division I conferences from 2016 to 2020. And you're going to see that there has been about a 3.6% increase over the last five years. Um, it's, it's, it's fairly flat. And I don't necessarily see a, a strong cause and effect between these two curves, particularly if you look at 2016 through 2018. You have one, they're, 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 they're inversely affecting each other. One's going down, the other one's going, going up. Um, it's also worth noting that the Rules Committee and FOP are looking at uh, scoring per game to see what it might be telling them about offense and defensive balance and to make sure that that's where, where they want it to be. 
The next variable we'll look at are the overall numbers of plays per game. Here we see a little bit more dependency between uh, 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 the two curves. Um, the uh, national average plays per game was 181, just over 181 plays per game. The SEC average was uh, just short of 180 plays per game. 2018 looks to be a bit of an anomaly. Uh, uh, we went up quite a bit in plays per game, but we went down in overall game time. Um, there was no rules change that particular year that would explain that. And uh, I've, between myself and questions I've asked my peers, we haven't really ne necessarily divined why uh, the statistics were that way. But um, obviously plays per game is something that factors into uh, the overall game time. So that, that's certainly being watched. Now let's go look at replay and how the number of, of stops for replay uh, maybe have uh, some causality into overall uh, game time. Much more interesting curve here. Um, uh, we see a couple of things here. We see uh, the number of replay stops per game going up fairly, I, I don't want to say dramatically, but uh, again, statistically significant. Uh, on average across the Division I conferences, 2.5 replay stops per game. Uh, the SEC was at 2.9. Uh, that is quite a bit above uh, uh, 2.5. Um, when you consider that the duration of, of how long we stop, you know, the review time for each one of the stops, there's a multiplying effect here. Um, and let's take a closer look at that over the last 10 years, uh, replay stoppage time and replay review time. So the first thing I'll note here is that the, the number of stops per game, again, this is national average, all Division I conferences, is going from 1.5 to 2.5 over 10 uh, a 10 year period. That's a 67% increase. If we were to have that same trend for the next 10 years, we'd be looking at 4.2 stops per game in 2030. And the law of averages, for every game I only have one or two stops. If I, my average is 4.2, that means I have a fair number of games where I'm having six or seven stops. This is something that's registering with the Rules Committee and, and FOP. Uh, they have, hadn't any changes to the game yet. But I know that this is something that's being talked about, and I believe it will be one of the more major topics during the next offseason when, when these groups meet. Um, and looking at, at, at review times, it's fairly flat. There was a jump nationally of nine seconds per stop um, from 2019 to 2020. I can tell you that uh, the SEC was at 119 for their average review time um, in, during the 2020 season, which matched what the national average was, was the previous season. The way the Rules Committee looks um, at, at review times, again, it's not how do we shave seconds off 120 or 117. It goes and looks at the number of replay stops that took more than two minutes. Uh, that seemed, that, that's the low-hanging fruit to go get your review times now down. A 0.4 stops per game. So 16% of the stoppages nationally lasted more than two minutes. And that's the target uh, when we were talking about manage the game such that we manage to a game time, uh, that's the target that they're looking at when it comes to replay stops and, and, and replay reviews. So what conclusions can we come from all of this data? Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to speak for the Rules Committee. I was not in the room while they met. I, I'm trying to speak for the Rules Committee and FOP. But they're, they're doing two major things. They're looking at this kind of data, again, to, to look at the balance between the offense and defense and see if there's any trends there that says that something needs to be done. 
Um, scoring per game, obviously, is going to tell you something about that balance between offense and defense. And not just plays per game, but I don't have this data, but plays per game with possessions per game are going to tell you something about that balance as well. If, if plays per game or possessions per game is rising with plays per game, well, then the balance seems to be still the status quo. Whereas if you had statistics where the plays per game would continue to go up and possessions was flat or maybe even going down, that would tell me that you're having uh, the balance is tilting towards the offense even more than it was in previous seasons. We're also looking at replay game stops and the overall re review times because it's an image of the game factor. And I'll come back to this concept in a, in a, in a second. And there's nothing concrete here. Uh, I, I would say this is still more in the exploratory stage. They are beginning to talk about the paradigm of replay in college. And, and, and when I say paradigm, I'm going to compare and contrast it to uh, the replay that's used in the National Football League. Ours is, is a system where we're looking at every single play with replay having the ability to interject itself on any play during the game where the National Football League has a system where the majority of the game it's coach, coach initiated and only during certain amount of time at the end of each half is it initiated from the replay booth. There is a potential for a hybrid model sometime in the future in college football where there are time there are not necessarily times in the game but that but parts of replay, scenarios in replay that maybe become more reliant on coach initiated. And I'll give you an example. We have a scenario for scoring plays, and we have a scenario for catch-no-catch. No, uh, catch, no catch. If it's a catch-no-catch catch in the end zone, we don't record it as a catch-no-catch. No catch. It's a scoring scenario. The catch-no-catch no, catch, no catch scenario, which is anywhere in the field of play between the goal lines, is 26% of the overall replay stoppages nationally during the 2020 season. And I, I, I know that the rules committee is asking themselves, do those reviews all have an impact in the game such that we need to stop the game for that? And there's, there's, there's schools of thought that are thinking, maybe we go to more of a hybrid where we put that in the coach's hands and let them decide if it's impactful and we need to stop the game. So let's move over to the actual uh, rule changes for the 2021 season. Um, this is a reminder, um, the, the NCAA for all of their sports has a two-year rule cycle where in, uh, for football odd years, um, we, we don't have major rule changes. So let's, let's give you a little bit of a reminder of what is in play. Uh, what is in play is anything to do with student athlete safety. We can introduce a rule change. Um, it, anything that has to do with an image of game, going a little different order than the bolts here. Anything that has to do with the image of the game, uh, that's something that could be addressed in an off year. And then lastly, if there was a previous year rule change that wasn't having the impact um, or it wasn't working out like it was envisioned, that can be addressed as well. We don't have anything in that category going into 2021, but we have some very minor um, uh, examples um, or, or very minor rule changes and even an editorial change I wanted to bring to your attention. Before we do that, let me give you a, a, my version of, of what the playing rules are, and, and we'll take a look at that. It, it's very simple. Um, there's, there's four buckets, if you will, of that book that is about as dense as any North American sport. Our rule book is probably 125 to 130 pages. It, it basically boils down to four, four buckets. The, the first is definitions of the game. What's the size of the field? What's a legal... What is legal and illegal equipment? How do you score and how many points is it? 
The next bucket are the playing rules of what defines the balance between the offense and the defense. How does the offense line up and snap the ball? Uh, how can you legally block? What are the rules that dictate what is legal and illegal for the passing game and the kicking game? And then the last two buckets I have here are basically rule nine, where half of rule nine is where personal fouls are, um, uh, the, the definitions of personal foul are, are written. And this is how we, we bring player safety to the game. The second half of rule nine is unsportsmanlike conduct. And unsportsmanlike conduct fouls and, and, and everything that it encompasses, that's how we protect the, the image of the game. So let's go on and, and look at these proposed, or not proposed, these approved rule changes. The first is the, the, the team box, very simple one. For the 2020 season, we extended the team box from the 25 to the 25 down to the 15 to the 15. We did this simply just to create more real estate um, on, on the sidelines for teams as they were trying to socially distance and comply with our pandemic uh, protocols. For the 2021 season and going forward, we've adopted the halfway point as a permanent rule change. The box is now from the, the uh, 20 to 20. This doesn't impact anything we're doing officiating on the field and obviously gives our teams a little bit more space um, um, to do their thing. Extra period scoring rules has had a, uh, a fairly significant change. The statistics looking at games with extra periods show that there's 14.1 uh, plays that are added for every extra period uh, that's played. And from, again, a, a student athlete safety standpoint, um, that is statistically significant. We, we had a game here in the Southeastern Conference in 2018 that went seven uh, uh, extra periods. And from, a, from a, a terms of number of plays, that's like adding almost a whole new quarter, a fifth quarter, if you will, to the game. It's just too much football after having played, let's say, 180 to 190 plays during, during regulation. So 21 going forward, first extra period, should you score a touchdown, you have the option of kicking for a point or, or, or going for another touchdown for two points. Should you get to a second overtime or extra period uh, and you score a touchdown, you only have the option to go for two. And then if the game gets to a third extra period or any subsequent period after that, we're going to put the ball at the three-yard line and we're only going to have two-point conversions for, from that, that point on. Again, player safety issue this is done to drive down the probabilities that we're going to have four or five or six overtime periods. There is a, a, a point of emphasis this year and also a, a change in the rule book. Uh, there, there's, the, the rules have always talked about jerseys and, and what is a legal jersey, and its length um, has been important. We had in the game approximately uh, 12 to 15 years ago Jerseys becoming untucked and coming down to like the, the, the thigh pads. And uh, the rules were rewritten or modified at that point in time that stipulated that the jersey had to be tucked into the pants. We also had just the reverse, right? You can remember back in uh, uh, the 80s and 90s, the student athletes would take the jerseys, they'd tape them up from the inside, and they had their mid midriff uh, showing. It was all meant, also meant to combat that. The jersey designs have changed. Um, and, and if any of you have been around a jersey, they're, they're made of material to cling to the player's body, and they don't necessarily tuck in anymore because they don't have to. Uh, even if they come out of the pants, they're, they're, they're so tight to the body, we don't have the issue of them creeping up. But what has happened is undergarments have come longer, and the undergarment is starting to come out from underneath the jersey. 
Uh, this is not necessarily a safety issue as much as is an image of the game uh, issue. And you can see on this photo here, um, obviously what it looks like. I, and I, I, I promise you, this, this is a halfback. He started in, um, in a position in the backfield, and this jersey was well below his waist, covering most of his thigh pads before the ball was even snapped. He didn't get into that position just, just out of play. So um, that, that, that's the, the editorial change. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to points of emphasis. One last editorial change I do want to talk about. Um, I, I was, I was talking earlier about uh, concern about number of replay stoppages per game and overall review times. The um, prior to in 2020 and prior, anytime we had a replay reversal, we were reversing the ruling on the field, we would go and look at the game clock and try to get the game clock reset should it needed to be reset. Um, the editorial change that we're only going to do that now under two minutes in the first half and under five minutes in the second half. What's unchanged is when we we uh, 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 change the clock during a replay reversal. It's only in the scenario where the ruling on the field either sustains or creates a running clock, and the replay reversal creates a stop clock. That's when we go back, look at the clock at the point um, where the, we're now creating a stop clock. So think about uh, we've completed a pass, um, not for a first down, and it's ruled a complete pass on the field. Clock continues to run. After about 15 seconds before the next ball, the next snap occurs, Replay stops the game, looks at it, reverses to no catch. Now we're going to go put that 15 seconds back on the clock. That hasn't changed, but we're only going to do it now in under two minutes in the first half, under five minutes uh, in, in the second half. Let's now go look at uh, the football code and changes to the points of emphasis. All five of the items here uh, have appeared in the past. Um, several comments I can make. No changes to targeting, but that's not to say we're being asked and we will be ever vigilant to officiate it and adjudicate it like we've been doing since it's been, been introduced into our game. As far as unsportsmanlike conduct, the taunting part of it and sideline control, uh, which is specifically coaches being out on the field for the purposes of um, uh, demonstrating against a ruling that's made it on the field. Uh, this is something nationally that uh, we felt that we need to, to reintroduce as a point of emphasis. That being said, I don't believe we have an upwards trend of these two things in the Southeastern Conference. There's certainly a small handful of examples that happened last year that maybe we needed our officials to, to intervene, but I think we're doing a pretty good job in these two areas. Uniform and equipment compliance, that's the undergarment coming out from underneath the jersey I talked about. And what's crept back into the game again is the pants being too short and not covering the knees. I am asking my officials with undergarments coming out underneath the jersey, uh, length of pants to be more vigilant um, than we have been in the last couple of seasons. That being said, I'm looking for us to not insert ourselves needlessly into the game. Offense comes out on the field. It's an up-tempo uh, team. They snap the ball, and on the sixth or seventh uh, play of that drive, we're not looking to stop the game to deal with a uniform issue. I'm asking them to, our officials to take advantage of pregame, I'm asking our officials to take care of dead ball periods, such as media timeouts, other natural breaks in the game to, uh, to officiate this, not to interrupt and interject ourselves into the game. Feigning injury. This is something that's been talked about for the last two or three years, and uh, a playing rule was not introduced um, to, to combat this because it, it turns out it's a difficult problem to solve. Uh, feigning injury is going back to the reasons um, uh, we talked about 
where they typically make rules changes. Fainting injuries is an offense-defense balance issue. Fainting injuries is potentially a player safety issue, and I'll give you an illustration of that in a second. And it's also, obviously, an image of the game issue. The reason it's a player safety issue is all of the playing rule change proposals they came up with to combat feigning injuries introduced another unexpected uh, safety issue for the players. And I'll give you an example. It's, it's no secret that a team's center is integral from an offense operating at its, at its maximum of efficiency. Center touches the ball every single down, starts the down. Should a center legitimately become injured, need to come out of the game to be attended to, but we add a playing rule that says that that player needs to be out for the rest of that series, that player needs to be out for three or four downs, that player needs to be out until his team uh, achieves a first down, the center will probably say, you know what, I'm going to stay in the game because the team needs, needs me. So now you have a legitimately hurt student athlete that's not coming out of the game because you changed the playing rules to combat feigning injuries. You're just moving the problem to somewhere else. So what has been introduced this year is an administrative procedure whereby an institution that believes that its opponent was feigning injuries can take video and, and forward it to the national coordinator of football officials, Mr. Steve Shaw, and he will uh, uh, do an analysis to see would a reasonable person using this video evidence conclude that feigning injuries occurred in that particular game. And uh, any time that request is made of, of, of Steve, uh, he will get back to the institution that was in the video and, and, and give that feedback to the athletic director of whether or not uh, a reasonable person using that video evidence could, would conclude that was feigning injuries uh, occurring. The playing rules have not changed here. And this administrative process will not reverse any aspect of a already concluded game. Nor does this administrative process have any kind of discipline to it. There's no prescribed penalties or disqualifications for a player. It's simply a post-game analysis with the results being delivered to the athletic director of the institution. Last update I have for you today has to do with replay. Uh, we have a, a technology uh, upgrade of our, our system. DV Sport. Sport is the vendor. Uh, DV Sport has been adopted by virtually all Division I conferences for replay purposes. It has two major features that I'm really excited about for our program. Our current, our, our systems in 2020 and, and prior has the ability to bring in four camera angles in real time in parallel such that as soon as a play concludes, all four of the, the video, all four of the cameras video can be uh, immediately um, um, looked at by our replay official. Many times our production teams have more than four cameras out there. And many times there's another camera angle that is uh, really imperative to coming up with the re right replay decision. But our new systems now have the ability to bring up to 12 cameras in uh, simultaneously. So let's say we have a game that has an overhead camera that has a shot that would help us with replay or a handheld camera that's very strategically placed. Uh, if, if it wasn't one of our four previously, we would have to work with the production trailer to get the, that camera angle played in the real TV feed, capture it, and then use it. Now, if it's one of the 12, we have it immediately after the play concludes. It should drive down our overall replay stoppage time, and it should improve our accuracy and our judgment in the replay booth. The second is there's expanded technology that allows us to deconstruct what went, in, what went on in the replay booth after the game concludes. This is going to help uh, my staff evaluate the performance that's going on uh, in the booth. 
And it's also going to help us put more training and development uh, material together to train uh, younger officials and to uh, get our, our veteran officials that much better for the succeeding year. So th that's it for the new rules. Um, a fairly dry uh, this year. Not a lot of, a lot of change that I don't think the average fan is going to recognize or, or notice in, in the, uh, the uh, normal playing of the game. Um, it's great to see everyone after not being able to do it last year. And uh, excited to be here for so many reasons, but one of them is football is just around the corner. Thank you. Thank you, John. And as I mentioned, uh, he'll be available uh, the rest of today and, and around SEC Media Days if you have questions.